0: What's going on, guys? Ted Faden here, host of The Modern Man Podcast. First, thank you for listening. And just really quick, I wanted to make sure I warned you about some explicit content that's included in this episode. I still think it's a message that you need to hear, so I'm happy to share it, but just wanted to give you a heads up. You might find some of the language offensive, and if you are sensitive to that, I won't take offense if you decide to skip it. If not, I think you'd really enjoy the content, so thank you for your support and enjoy the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Modern Man Podcast. This is a podcast where we're on a mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and putting wind in each other's sails. We're getting a lot of wind in our sails from my guest today, Dylan Sessler, mental health coach, author, social media influencer, and veteran. Dylan, thank you for your service. And thank you for being with us today, man. I appreciate it, Seth. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and as always, I always love giving an opportunity for the guests in our audience to kind of get acquainted. And I also like hearing the guests introduce themselves in their own words because I could put a label, I could put a title, but it doesn't do credit in how someone identifies themselves. So, Dylan, please take the floor and let the people know who you are, man.
1: You know, introductions are always an interesting thing for me as well. I, you know, I don't even know how to introduce myself because half of the things that I do right now, I never thought I'd be doing right. Yeah. Being a mental health coach, being a social media influencer just never thought I'd be there right being a father right I just became a father Congratulations. about three months ago so you know all of those things came from a place of really diving into myself and developing that you know the, the deeper parts of me so who am I I'm just a guy I'm just a dude you know I'm just I'm just running around the world trying to figure things out and I just happen to stumble upon this idea of expressing myself. At one point in my life, which saved my life, yeah. And I wrote a book about it. I built a social media following on TikTok, with you know almost six hundred thousand followers at this point. Talking about suicide, talking about mental health. I found myself now coaching people through the same things that I went through. Just trying to just trying to make the world a better place. And you know, I don't I don't see myself as being the expert on everything. I'm just trying to understand myself and how people work. Mm-hmm. I grew up really studying people i got a sociology background and i just try to understand more about the experiences of others along with myself and that's you know i do that very well according to my clients so you know that's that's kind of who i am in a nutshell
0: yeah well i appreciate all the work you're doing man and the fact to amass that many followers on TikTok, speaking on mental health in the subject i think is just is kind of the window into how many people resonate with that message. It's yep. a window into how many people might have similar feelings or or might be kind of figuring it, trying to figure it out. Like, I like that you said that, You know, I'm just a guy trying to figure it out. That's what we all are yeah, we're I was all say. <laughs> comparing ourselves and and we're like, oh man, this person has it figured out and that person has it figured out. But I've said this before, we keep comparing our lives to somebody else's highlight reel because we don't know the real what's behind the scenes. You know, social
1: media is a great place to understand, I think, one really key concept. Those people have one one thing figured out really well. That doesn't mean they have everything figured out really well, right? Like me, I'm a mental health coach, right? That's yeah. all you see of me, right? But I could easily, you know, I may have two or three things that I could go for. Like I'm I'm a sniper in the US military right now. So I have long range shooting figured out and and sniper skills figured out. You know, I've been in the military for almost 15 years, so I've got that figured out. But yeah. there are other things I don't have, I don't know jack shit about, right? Like how this computer screen works. I don't know how that camera works. I got no clue. I know how to use it, but that's about it, right?
0: You're eating a diaper at 3 a.m. How, how right. Comes down.
1: <laughs> right. I'm tired today, right? Like my daughter did not sleep well last night, and so neither did I. I haven't figured that part out. <laughs> <right? Yeah. laughs> like, you're only seeing on social media, you're seeing a little bit very small little bit. And I think retrospectively, you can look at people, right? Your best yeah. friends, you don't see all that much, right? Unless you live with them 24 seven, you don't really know who they are. And that kind of comes to where, where I step in, right? My biggest value is empathy and how I define that is very important because it allows me to actually action it and use it. My My d- definition of empathy is listening to understand, Right. And you can add in observing as well, because that's part of it, part of listening, I think. And so, like when we really get down to business and and look at people, you can't know what people are thinking until you listen to what they're saying and observe what they're doing. And if you don't do that, you're not building healthy relationships. Mm. You're you're just assuming that the relationship is okay. And that's that can be a concoction for chaos. And that's never good.
0: Yeah. I think it was one of our, our previous guests a while back when we did in-person panel discussions, he said, I mistook a low-conflict marriage for a good communication marriage. And it's to your point where we think with the absence of con- conflict that there's abundance of communication. Sometimes the absence of conflict is also the absence of communication in the first place.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Sometimes the avoidance of conflict is clearly kind of the undertone of thinking we're we're good on communication but there's so many people that are so fearful of just communicating even in something as sacred as a marriage that mm-hmm. there's a reason we have a 50% divorce rate right it's not just because people are cheating it's not just because people are doing this and doing that it's literally because small conflicts over time create massive issues and so the reason that I consider empathy one of my greatest values is the listening to understand requires me to go learn something, right? And so, you know, with trying to understand my wife, trying to understand my son, trying to understand my daughter, right? I have to ask questions, right? I have to learn because they're not always going to give me the answers. Yeah. Observing my people, my family, the, the people that I love and I care about can tell me so much about what I need to actually ask for a question
0: because sometimes they won't just tell me I've got to go find it. Man. I sense so much humility in that because like so many of us ironic thing, when we talked about just trying to figure it out is that there are some of us who act like we haven't figured out and, huh. and we're like, Oh, to think Hi. of me <laughs> yeah, ask my wife, you know, what can I do to help or ask my kids what they need? I feel like that puts you in such a humble position when you have to learn or maybe even unlearn and adapt some of who you are. We hold on to this thing called ego, which really kind of makes us unwavering in some in some times. And that kind of makes us unbearable to the people around us who might truly be wanting to communicate and meet somewhere in the middle.
1: Sometimes I think it's more than ego. I think there's cultural practices that we still hold on to as well as ego, right? Ego is this self-centered i want to serve myself mentality but there's there's a cultural selflessness that is also served at the same time where we have to follow this narrative we have to follow this line and you can see this in you know in the practice with the church you can see this in practice with you know male body standards female body standards we have these narrow guidelines that say i have to do it this way mm-hmm. or else and so we we adhere to those and then we say really stupid things to people right like you know you're gaining a little bit of weight well that's a terrible thing to say to a woman right yeah. and it might even be a terrible thing to say to a man and but you say it anyway because these are the narrow cultural guidelines that I'm trying to follow right and well you know culture says it's okay or you know this this social media influencer says it's okay and rather than coming at it from a humble direction of saying you know i noticed you've been overeating lately and i don't want to i don't want to make a judgment or anything but is there something that is bothering you that we can talk about right and approaching that conversation with a humble approach garnishes so much more respect on the other side right? right whereas the cultural kind of or the ego or the culture or whatever other you know word that that emphasizes kind of i need to follow this path or this rule or this you know this law we get caught out in those situations where we put ourselves on a ledge and the ledge drops out from underneath us because, you know, we're not maintaining, I think the sanctity of a relationship of Ted, I have so much respect for you that I want to ask you this, but it's really hard. Yeah. Right. And being vulnerable and then giving you the opportunity to be vulnerable with me without me judging you at all. Mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. You're talking about creating space because yep. that initially builds connection. Like if I know I'm not going to have a, a heavy or what we would call a heavy weight or a high gravity conversation with my wife, you know, I prep her for that in terms of I come with the vulnerability of, Hey, I'm nervous going into this. Yeah. And that nervousness usually brings down the defenses because what happens when you say something like, Hey, it looks like you're gaining a little weight. That sounds like an offensive line, okay. which gets defense. And when the person gets defensive, we become offensive. And we get into this battle, not knowing how we get there, when it's like, we should have started on the same side and then address the problem together. The name of your book, Defy the Darkness, a story of suicide, mental health, and overcoming your hardest battles. What inspired you to start writing that? And what's some of the impacts you've seen from that book since its release?
1: The inspiration was me basically sitting in, in the hallway with a gun in my head. You know, it wasn't the initial thing that like, well, let's take this gun away for myself and write a book. No, that wasn't the first thought, but it was, it was the catalyst. You know, I was I found myself at 25 after, you know, the profound nature of my life. I lost my dad to suicide at six years old. I was beaten by the next man in my life for any infraction, even any small infraction I did wrong. I was bullied in high school. I joined the military. Went to Afghanistan twice, and I came home in 2000. 2000- 2013, just lost. You know, I wanted to join special forces and I tore my ACL three days after I got back from Afghanistan. So it shattered my dreams. I was kind of a, you know, I was home from a traumatic deployment, also with so much trauma leading up to it that I found myself in this place of I'm just causing more problems than I'm solving. And so maybe it's best that I wasn't here anymore not necessarily to follow my father's footsteps, but to, I didn't know what else to do. And so in the aftermath of putting a gun to my head, I had to really assess myself. And I did that, right? I I had to look at myself and this is where, let's be real, the humility really came from is because I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but I had no clue what was going on and why I was where I was. So I asked myself that question, why are you where you are? And not just my decisions, but why did all of the things that happened to me teach me to to guide myself into this position of where I almost kill myself? Because other people don't do that. Some people do, not everyone does. And so why am I in this place? And I so I asked that question from a a different perspective than what I could what I was normally looking at it from, and that's where it began, right? I started actually taking the emotion out of the traumas that I actually felt, not fully, right? I needed to feel them. I needed to process them. I needed to understand why the hell my dad would do such a thing and Mm -hmm. how I would take it, right? Because everything that my dad made a choice on, I didn't need to make that choice, but I did, and I needed to understand why. And so I clarified a lot of my thought processes up until 25 in the following years after 25, and that's that's where the premise of the book really came from, right? Defy the darkness is a rule of my life, right? Like there's there's always a dark part of your soul, right? The you know, I, I think Carl Jung talks about this, right? There's always a part that you do not know. And there's always evil within people, I think. And it's it's about manifesting your ability to respect that evil and address it, face it, mm-hmm. you know, hold yourself accountable, be humble and recognizing that you are not god you are not infallible you are able to commit violence atrocities pain hurt you are able to do these things but to be a person that doesn't do those things requires defiance in my eyes yeah. and for me i was committing all of those things to myself i had horrible self talk i had you know i was i was just committing all of the terrible insecure things to myself and I was destroying me. I was destroying my relationships. I was destroying my life. And to step out of that, I need to get with my values, right? And that's where empathy really came from. Because I don't look at empathy as something I give to just you, Ted. I have to give it to myself first. So I have to listen to understand myself before I can even address listening to understand other people. Yeah. Because if I can't, if I can't understand me, what am I even asking questions for? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you asked about the results, the results have been incredible, right? Like people read the book and appreciate the book and are profoundly, you know, changed by the book in in so many ways. And, you know, it's, I don't just write the book and, you know, walk away. I've been active on social media for over two years. And uh, I've got a a daily text platform that, you know, relatively daily that people get an inspirational message from me. And you know, I checked in with fifteen hundred people over the weekend just to make sure, you know, people know that there's someone out there that is thinking about them. Yeah. Can I care for every one of them? No, but I can remind them that someone's thinking about how how can I help them, right? And that's that's my goal. It's like I'm just I'm just a guy trying to figure shit out, and yeah. the best way I can do that is is to put my voice out there. As an introvert that doesn't want to be here, right? I don't want to be in front of people talking about the things that I talk about but the courage that i defined in my youth after you know wanting to end my life requires me to step in front of a camera requires me to step into a podcast and say these are all the feelings that i that i've gone through or these are all the things that i've been through and these are this is what we need to talk about yeah. um, and so you know the ultimately the result is i'm secure with myself even though i don't always want to do this
0: mm-hmm. you know well, I appreciate that Dylan. I'm so glad you're here not just on the podcast but here on earth doing the work that you're doing because it's clearly needed, you know. Yeah. And you mentioned that that self-talk and I've said to friends like I, I asked them I said how many friends would you have if you talked to everybody else the same way you talk to yourself? And it makes people think like some of the things we say to ourselves we wouldn't say to our closest friends or our loved ones. So why do we why do we tolerate that for ourselves? And it could lead to a spiral and it could put us in a, in a dark hole that could be hard to come out and for you to have the courage. I think that's a great, great way to describe it because it does take courage to talk about those dark times. It does take courage to talk about the things that we've been through and maybe reach out to a friend or somebody be like, Hey, I'm not okay. But also the courage to face that dark side because the beauty of it is knowing that you're capable of evil, but you choose to do good. And I know a lot of guys go through this. A lot of guys think they're not a good person because of something they might have done in the past, or they they feel bad because they've hurt someone and they they have a, a view of themselves as not being a good person. But the reality is you choose good every day, you just don't give yourself credit for it. Right. Because you're holding down that darkness, and when you hold it down too long, it can come out in aggressive ways. You mentioned the abuse, the bullying, the war, injury, and all those things in themselves could kind of push someone to that level. What do you think it was that turned the corner for you? What do you think it was other than just kind of that reflection, that kind of like maybe stopped you in your tracks and made you at least go one more step?
1: I think it was the promise I made to myself. So I've always looked at, you know, suicide isn't the problem, it's the result. It's a result of all the problems. And my problems were many at the time, you know, and I hadn't dealt with any of them. And in my darkest moment, do I know exactly what stopped me? No, I don't. What I think I can relate it to is I made a promise after my dad ended his life when I was six years old that I wouldn't do what he did. And obviously I was in a situation where I wasn't obviously being real successful at that at the moment, but I I took a step back and remembered that in that moment and i think it was the closest i had ever felt to him in my life where i never got a, a letter from my dad i never got any kind of reason why he would do such a thing and as a as a son i can look at that and i can respect you know in many ways kind of the the context around his story of he had taken out an insurance plan about a year prior that had a suicide clause of about a year right so he had that kind of i had that in my mind and i understood that only into my 20s but i can respect that and i can look at that and say it wasn't just because he was in pain and he wanted to end his life because of that there was there was a requirement for him to do to do so selfishly or selflessly excuse me now was that the best choice no obviously not but i can respect that but i never knew why and so when I was in that situation, all of the feelings, everything that kind of came over me, I was like, wow, I can understand, right? It was, it was kind of that first time I think I actually applied empathy to him. Hmm. That's a fucking hard thing, yeah, man. right? It's an incredibly hard thing to look at someone that hurts you as, as much as my dad did to me and look at that moment and say, I get it and for the first time i actually did that and i had to i had to really take back a lot of the anger that i had for him a lot of the hurts a lot of the pain a lot of the struggle that i kind of pushed onto him and said you've given me all this and i had to i had to really rethink that because he didn't give me all that right the ownership that i could take was more than i gave myself credit for right now when, when people do things that are bad for you and or are harmful to you, you can give them ownership. And that's a very important, and I think a really uh, beneficial thing to do, but there's also a part of you that you need to address in what do you actually own, right? When people have been traumatized, right? When someone does something to you, I think it's really important that you learn to say what this person did to me is not my fault, but on the other end, on my spectrum, Right it's really important for me to recognize what this person did left me with choices that i had to make and i had to really look at those choices and approach them and you know just like we were talking about like everybody feels like the bad guy sometimes
0: mm-hmm.
1: you've got to look at those choices and some of those choices were necessary were some weren't but what you made a choice on 27 years ago or even 27 days ago does not determine where your life is going to go. It might have an impact on it, but you can choose to be a good person or you can choose to be the bad guy and you'll live whichever one you want. I just choose not to be what I felt like I was when I was 25 and before. Yeah, I, I choose to be someone else and I choose to be someone that gives, someone that has defined their values and said, this is who I actually want to be. And I've done the work. I can't tell you, like, I can talk about empathy, mm-hmm but at 22 years old when i was in college i never knew what that fucking word meant yeah. I, people would say that word i'd be like i don't know what the fuck that means i don't care right and then i learned it i mm-hmm. defined it i learned how it how it's actionable i learned where it's where i can give too much where i can give too little right how you define your values is so fundamental because if i give too much empathy i'm really not happy if i give too little empathy i destroy relationships and i've done that And you have to be very mindful that when you create and craft your identity, you have to build and develop these values in a way that you can actually understand and explain them. This is why I'm so eloquent with talking about something as simple as the word empathy.
0: Yeah. You mentioned those choices and the decisions you make and that choice at 25, man, you are and I, I say it without hesitation the the strongest person we've had on this podcast because of that choice and the choices you continue to make in terms of facilitating these conversations i think we've seen in recent years more and more people having conversations around what was once taboo yeah rewiring the discussions around mental health and you and he said doing work because it requires work and you know, anything worth having isn't easy, right? And there's there's a beauty in the process. There's a beauty in the chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry yeah. water. How do we change that narrative around mental health, right? Because I think there's been more of an attention to it, but there are still some people who are hesitant. How do we change that, that perspective for folks?
1: I think you probably know this better than I do, but stigmas exist for a reason right? And changing them requires the courage to stand against them, right? It, 40, 50 years ago, this never would have happened, right? Because the race issue never would have been solved in any capacity. If you wouldn't have stood up as an African-American, or if I wouldn't have stood up as a white man and said, I value this person, or you say, I deserve a right to speak, Right? I think these conversations require courage. It's that simple. It requires people that have been through trauma. It requires people that have been through rape, sexual assault, suicide, people that are struggling through issues to have the courage to stand up and speak. And the more we do that, the more we find ways together to say, this is how these conversations need to be conducted, right? We start to build kind of the unofficial rule book on how to create and craft and develop these conversations, right? Have we solved race? No, clearly, right? But we're getting a lot closer than we were 40, 50 years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you're in the p- position that you are, which is remarkably respected and cared for and appreciated, right? And and so we do that in the same the same fashion. We can learn the same techniques and tactics from what's come before us. And it's just about giving people a voice. I think, you know, there's a chapter in my book that talks about expression, right? Expression needs to be valued, but it also needs to be understood. What is, you know, what is a good place for expression? Is this the best place for expression for everybody? Absolutely not, right? Not everybody can come on a podcast and say openly to the world what I've said, right? That's not the point. But you can come to people like myself. You can go to a therapist. You can go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and have those conversations and say, I don't want to be judged because you shouldn't be judged in those conversations. And I want to be able to express myself and explain what has happened to me and process my way through it. Now, I think the challenges are, I think a vast majority of society has a very large misunderstanding and misconception of trauma and its impacts on the body. And that I think is we require education. I think education is always going to be the same thing right it's it's no different in you want to talk about race we can talk about race education right <laughs> let's be real right yeah. it's no different than trauma trauma requires education suicide requires education right if people don't know that there are ways to solve their problems or work through their problems with someone else they won't do it right If it's not in front of you, right? We all have ADHD at some point, right? If it's not in front of me, I'm not going to do it, right? And so our goal, I think, should always be come together, educate people, and have conversations and let people express themselves.
0: Yeah. That's pretty simple. You're so right. Because a lot of us, we talk about the highlight reel beforehand because so many of us are so tight-lipped about the problems and the issues that we go through. So much so that when we go through those issues or problem, we think we're the only one in the world to ever have this problem, right? How much is it like, oh, this, this, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what it's like. Yep. I might not. And I'm 100% aware of that. I might not be able to be in your shoes. But I I heard someone once tell me how they say, listen, the the pain, someone said, Ted, the pain you go through is going to uniquely qualify you to help somebody else. Yeah. We rob the world of that gift when we keep our pain to ourselves because we all look for the purpose in the pain, right? We look for, okay, what is this for? But our ability to weather that storm coming out on the other side, when we see someone else in the same storm, someone else who might have the same obstacles or setbacks or traumas, reaching into that storm with a hand, not just reaching in, but going in the rain, drenched, soaking wet, like saying, look, I'm here with you. Get my hand because I've gotten out of this before. That's what it's all about. How can we learn to enjoy life despite the adversities, despite the the traumas, and and despite some of the setbacks and the heavy weight that life does bring upon us? How do we still enjoy it along the way?
1: Well, before three months ago, (laughs) I think the answer would have been would have been uh, maybe a little bit different, but you know having having had a child my first child man that's that's another level of beauty i don't think i'll ever find something equivalent to yeah. but i think the the answer is is also in the title of my book i think it's defiance right the darkest parts of my life always were the focus of everything and up until about 5 5 to 6 years ago after i started really doing the work i think it was then where i recognized like it was my stubbornness that got me into that situation right but it was also my stubbornness that got me out like i just i wouldn't die right I, i've been in so many positions where i probably should have died but i didn't you know not only in afghanistan but at home that now i've i find myself defying the very nature of what i've always wanted to do which is You know, hating myself and hating my life and trying to find problems. I found myself looking at that and saying, No, I'm not going to get angry here. I don't want to get angry here. I don't want to push myself into a place where I used to push myself. And same with what I'm doing now. Like, so much of my life, I've looked at these conversations and said, I don't want to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. But now it's like over the past year, I've totally reversed that and said, You're going to do the podcast and you're going to find a way to like it. Right. And so I like, I come out of these conversations learning about, you know, learning about you, Ted. I learn about like your podcast, what you talk about. I learn about myself too. Right. These conversations aren't just about always helping other people. Like when I have my podcast, The Dylan Experience, I shamelessly, that is mine it is all mine. I don't do it for my my viewers or people. I do it 100% for me. If people benefit from it, awesome. But I have people on there that I value, that I love to have conversations with because I have deep and just sometimes dark, sometimes beautiful, sometimes wonderful, sometimes hard and conflicted conversations. And it tests me every single time. And it's shamelessly, it's it's my selfish endeavor that I enjoy the most. And doing the selfish thing is beneficial, right? When we, we, we look at words and sometimes we add this context or this connotation that says selfishness is bad. It can be, right? If you overuse it, right? If you're a narcissist, that's not good, right? But so can selflessness, right? If I'm so selfless that I end my life to suicide, that's not good either, right? Because it may seem selfless to some regard, but in many ways, it's not, right? Other people don't see it the way that I'm, you know, would have seen it in 2015. And so like, we have to really look at these, these ideas of what do I find value in, right? If you don't find value in yourself, change that. That's definitely something you need to fix, right? Because you won't find value in anything else if you can't find value in yourself, right? Or you will find value, but only for fleeting moments, right? Right. And so that you'll just continue to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing until eventually you give up and you're, you're tired of trying to find the thing that you value. So start with yourself and then continue to develop what do I value, right? And develop yourself and your kind of eye for beauty in the world through that.
0: Yeah. Dylan... I can keep this podcast going. You've touched me, and I'm sure you've touched the viewers, and I can relate in terms of I love that people get value from this podcast, and there's a mission behind it. But selfishly, <laughs> selfishly, I've learned so much. I've spoken to some amazing people, yourself included, and having this medium that allows us to communicate where you're in Wisconsin, I'm in North Carolina, we wouldn't cross each other's paths in the coffee shop, um, yeah. but through this medium. We are, we are able to share space and connect, and I'm really thankful for that. I also want to offer that same opportunity for some of our viewers, our listeners. How can people reach out to you if they've been triggered by this episode and they, they, they're they starting to think, how can they maybe get some of your mental health coaching? And of course, I'll also have the suicide hotline information in the show notes as well, but I would love for them to to be able to talk to you and connect with you if they need
1: uh you can find me on my website com. Um I'm on TikTok obviously. Yeah, you can you can join my text platform if you're US or Canada 1608-336-4480 just text text me anything, doesn't matter, you can text me hi mm-hmm. and you'll get whenever I send out a message you get that. Other than that just find me on my website, you can find my book on Amazon, anything.
0: Yeah. I'll have those linked in the show notes as well. And last question before I kind of wrap us up. And based on the content of our conversation, I can allude to, or I can imagine what the answer might be. But I asked this at the end of every episode is, what's something that's happened in your life that's shaped your perspective of the world as a man?
1: Oh, man. that's a That's a question I could write a whole book about. <laughs> Probably a couple books at this point. Because I've already talked about my suicide attempt, I won't talk about that. War. I'll talk about war. War is the place where I learned that there is good and evil, right? And not necessarily the kind of good and evil that I think is played out and portrayed on the movies and in the media. I'm talking about war is the place where choice is necessary, right? And, and to make that choice, right? You might feel like you're the good side. And you make that choice and you feel like you're doing good but you're actually killing people or you're ending life right and on the other side that person thinks they're good and they're making a choice right and so the recognition that good and evil right and wrong are all subjective entities that we've really determined or defined ourselves or had culture or our egos defined for ourselves are things that are really important to pay attention to, especially when we talk about mental health, because how you define right and wrong, how you define good and evil can very much negate a whole group of people or a whole family or a whole sect of the population that is really requiring your help and your support. And so it's fundamentally important for you to question your values. It's fundamentally important for you to question right and wrong and good and evil and whether your choices that you are making today are actually the choices that you want to live with. So, you know, I I think if there's one experience that taught me that it was war and it's just been something that I've snowballed since. So, yeah.
0: Dylan Sessler, mental health coach, author, social media influencer, veteran, And just a guy trying to figure it out, like all of us. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Appreciate it, Ted. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. And I'm going to recap some of the nuggets that you kind of left along the way really quick. One of the things was one thing figured out. We talked about the highlight reel before when we see someone that might have one thing figured out and that's just a little piece of their overall lives, right? We can't compare their highlight reel to our everyday lives because we don't know everything and that what happens behind closed doors. Listening to understand empathy. How many of us are showing empathy? How many of us are listening to understand, not listening just to respond? How many of us are actually pouring into the people around us and really questioning ourselves in the process and being humble in the approach for the, those relationships that we have around us? Narrow guidelines, this way or else, so many of us, not just ego, but we are Conditioned through society and some of our experiences to look at things a certain way and we never question it or unlearn it. But maybe just an audit of some of our beliefs, our values, and maybe some of the of our upbringing can help bring some clarity into the world and how we live in it. Address the evil, live in defiance of it. I'm putting those together because I think that's so, so true. I do think we do have a dark side. We do have the capacity for evil, but that's what makes us good because we choose it every day and we live in defiance. And we choose life. And what do you actually own? A lot of us carry trauma. A lot of us hold on to things that have happened to us in the past. Forgiving is one step, but also acknowledging what we own in that process and going through the growth. I think those are some of the steps we can take to feeling just a little bit better, making it through whatever storm you might be in. And you have those resources. Please, if you feel inclined to, reach out to Dylan to get the help you need Thank you guys so much for making it through this episode, Dylan. Thank you again, my brother. And if you really enjoyed this, it would mean the world if you could share this with someone who you might think needs to hear it. Leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. The only way we get better is by hearing from you guys and subscribe to the podcast to get a new episode each and every single week. I appreciate you guys taking the time. We'll catch you next week. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's go.